Ah, uh, Father, the, a story, an illustration, a parable of that you told about a, a sheep being in the wilderness and you finding it, um, bringing it back and rejoicing. Father, um, I know, Lord, that there are people in this room that, Father, some of them know they are in a wilderness. Some of them know the feeling all too well of isolation or, or perhaps, Lord, that they're in this room and um, they are surrounded by people, but yet in being surrounded by people, they feel so lonely because they do not know if you see them. So, Father, where we all are in this room, would you meet us? Would we know you see us? Would we know, as Josh said, know your presence, Father? Know this truth. Would, would we who are saved and maybe have understood you for some time now, Father, remember the joy of our salvation? Father, would you motivate us? Would you encourage us? Would you meet us in this place? In your name, amen. Uh, and when we forget the mission of Jesus, it is uh, so easy to go from all in to all inward. Uh, when we forget the mission of Jesus, we want to be passionate followers, but sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we want to stay in our holy huddles. I felt like this a little bit on the 4th of July, I went into our, our Facebook group, uh, Ava and I woke up early, did a little bit of work, and then it was like 9 o'clock, we had busted through some stuff, I was like, let's go, we have some beach passes to Ocean Gate, uh, the Ocean Gate Beach there, it's family friendly, uh, and so we went in the Facebook group and said like, hey, if you guys are free, come to Ocean Gate with us. There, there should be no problems. You would be wrong. Um, there were. Uh, there it was a beach full of people. Uh, and a beach full of people, and some of them uh, were sipping back on some adult beverages. And so here I am. Uh, this man uh, was in the water uh, playing football with his kids. It was all good things, all good things, uh, until a 10-year-old started dropping bombs out of his mouth. No one else heard it, but this grown man, apparently, that was sipping back on some stuff, heard the bombs that this kid was, was you know, so, okay, so what would you do? Well, this man took it upon himself to, to like, not push the kid or lay a hand on this kid, but influence this kid with his body up out of the water and then start screaming at a beach full of people, whose kid is this? Whose kid's in this? He's cursing, he's cursing, he's cursing, and, like, made a spectacle and berated this kid. Now, I'm not good with a 10-year-old kid cursing, but I'm also not good with getting in the face of a 10-year-old kid, letting him know that he is an idiot. And all of a sudden, it was this big spectacle. Uh, Amanda Sherman and, and his, her daughter Peyton had joined us, and Amanda sees us and goes into cop mode, like, you know, fight for justice and fight for the, the underdog. And, like, all of a sudden, like, the cops are coming on. Like, there was three cops that came on the beach. One of them goes, aren't you Pastor Jason? I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, like, who, like, are you a cop? Oh, obviously you are. Like, who's asking? Like, it was like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? Like, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice? to be on a beach where there are no issues. <laughs> and, and like I had studied this passage uh, in the morning and I was just like, I just invited literally my whole church to come to the beach <laughs> to, to, to witness a spectacle like this. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, man, like if Wellspring ever gets a million dollars in the budget, maybe we should just buy a beach. <laughs> Uh, and we can selectively invite who's allowed on our beach so that we can always enjoy the beach. <laughs> that instinctively makes sense <laughs> until we realize that if we ever spent a million dollars buying a beachfront beach for us, a beachfront beach, buying a beach, 
just so for us, we are so off the mission of God to selectively invite and keep some out. Like that's what religion does. Religion wants to see those that are far from God and we want to stay far from them. We don't want to get uncomfortable in the name of Jesus. Religion, when we want to be like all holy, 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 like religion says the people that are the mission of God, like they become irrelevant. They become secondary. Like Jesus did not go, come to earth and die on the cross, rise again, and as he's leaving, say, go into the, all the earth just for you and I to stay in our holy huddles. Holiness, if you and I are followers of Jesus, we should all, all be about the holiness of God. The holiness of God shouldn't drive us to unholy places, but it should drive us to unholy people, to let them know about a holy God. Today, I want us to understand Christ's heart for the lost. And I, as, as we understand his heart, I wanted to awaken our heart to go after the lost and not stay in our holy huddles. Because when we read the Bible, it's so easy to, to have a misguided perspective, perhaps like this meme uh, that I saw this week. It's so easy to look at something and think it's one thing when exactly it might be just the other thing. Landon, go to that picture. At first glance, you're like, Jason, you're going to get fired for showing that picture until you realize it's a hand with a little thing on it. <laughs> it's not what you think it is. <laughs> so a church going after unholy people perhaps isn't what you think it is. <laughs> perhaps it's exactly what we should be doing. Now go ahead, take a picture, throw it on social media. <laughs> that picture literally is not wrong. <laughs> Here's our mission statement. Here's why that we exist. We exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. Let's pick up a text that we've been following along. We worked through uh, Luke chapter 14. Now we're in Luke chapter 14, uh, 15, verses 1 and 2 says this, uh, that now the tax collectors and sinners are drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, what did they do? They grumbled, uh, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. We've just worked through a discussion in, in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus is at a dinner party and, and they're getting all uh, like mad about who Jesus would interact with there or they're getting mad. Jesus is coming at them saying, hey, you should come after the lost. You, sh you, should, you should invite people and include them at the table. And, and Jesus is putting them on blast for how they avoid people. And now we turn the page and they're grumbling and complaining about the people that Jesus would embrace. These religious leaders, these Pharisees are putting Jesus on blast for who he doesn't hang out with, for who he does hang out with. They're always mad at Jesus for whatever reason it might be. These religious leaders have said in their holiness for God, we should stay away from people. As I become holy, if I understand the heart of God, these religious leaders would say, then a holy person should not be around tax collectors and fair, uh, 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 or, or these unholy sinners. Tax collectors in that culture were like the worst of the worst. They were, they were coming at the Jewish people and they were, they were helping the Romans and this was all sorts of evil in the Jewish mind. And so the schmuck of society in their eyes, Jesus was embracing. And so here's the son of God come to earth. And what are they doing? They're grumbling and complaining that 
The people he's on mission for, he is with. That sinners would actually draw near to him. Now, you and I would look at this and say, why was it bad that sinners would be drawn to Jesus? It's not bad, but when it works out in, in reality, don't we think like that? Have you ever judged somebody when you, when you went on social media and saw a picture of them hanging out with so-and-so, and you're like, huh, what's going on with them? I thought it, the pastor that led Justin Bieber uh, to Jesus, I started questioning that pastor. Why? Because I was like, Bieber? He's like wildly crazy. And then to find out, it seems like he's pretty genuinely a Christian. But at first, in my stupidity, I never even thought to think, well, maybe this person is doing exactly what Jesus calls us to, going after the lost. Perhaps it's for the purposes of Jesus. So here's our big thought for this experience, and I just want to draw out two points. The committed, you and I, committed followers of Jesus, never leave sinners omitted. That is never supposed to be our goal is to say, oh, you know what, stay far away, far away, far away, but to draw near to sinners, to help them do what? Draw near to our holy God. The committed never leave sinners omitted. So we're going to look at two ways on how we can commit to the mission of God. The first one is that the committed risk it for the party. Josh read that verse about there being a party in heaven. Jesus, on the first part of this story, says he turns to these, these religious leaders and he's told them this parable, a story with a point. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Uh, when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you, there will be more joy, not reluctance, not questions, but literal joy in heaven over one sinner who repents uh, than over 99 righteous persons who need or in their minds think they need no repentance. So are you motivated to leave your holy huddle and go after the lost? Or are you going to, like me, sometimes say, well, I have enough. We're good. Like, I have three kids. I've lost one of them from time to time. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but what I've never said is, you know, I still got two, I'm good. I've never said that. <laughs> Landon got lost, he's back there, he'll tell you. He got wildly lost at the Lakewood Blue Claws. Mama went crazy. <laughs> Why? Because when you lose one kid, you don't mathematically say, well, I still got the majority, I'm good. <laughs> you say, you two stay here, <laughs> I'm going to go find my one lost kid. <laughs> and that's Jesus' heart for you and I. <laughs> He's not looking at him thinking, ah, mathematically, I have enough. One more, one more, one more. My God is not slow in returning. My God is leaving room for more and more people to turn to him in repentance. Jesus sees each sheep as having value. The 99 are not those that do not have value. The 99 are ones that are already found. They've already, God has already proven their value to them. And so Jesus leaves the 99, which on paper seems stupid. It seems stupid to go after the one, to, to do work and put work in, to put him on their shoulders, and then to come back and to say, listen, I found one sheep. I have 99, but I found the one. Hey, come party with me. Rejoice over this. Isn't that extraordinary love? Doesn't this paint a picture of God's extraordinary love for you and I, this sheep that feels hopeless, but yet Jesus brings hope? 
This sheep that feels directionless, but Jesus brings direction. This sheep that doesn't even necessarily know he is lost, but Jesus says, I want you and I have found you. Isn't that extraordinary love? This sheep didn't turn to Jesus. This sheep was found by Jesus. And that is extraordinary love that he chases after you and I and wants to wrap us up. And then it says, heaven, a place of complete holiness. If you wanna be holy like heaven, if you, we'll sing a song at some point called Heaven on Earth, Heaven Invade. If you want to be holy as heaven is holy here on this earth, then we rejoice when the unholy turn to a holy God. And we will rejoice when just one turns to Jesus. If heaven's doing that, if heaven erupts in praise, shouldn't we do that? I, I got done, I, I mentioned this book last week as uh, kind of part of the challenge, but this book called Blessed by Ferguson. I, I highly recommend it, uh, and we'll actually mention it at the end of uh, the experience today. But in this book, it challenges you just to have everyday uh, human interactions with people with the focus of the gospel. So if you're into theatrics, I don't know what that's like, um, but if you're in that, then go and be a theatrical person and do all those things, but do it in the name of Jesus, trying to lead people to Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're into the business, world, like go and be in the business world and, and with the focus of leading people to Jesus. I happen to love fantasy football and I love just destroying people in fantasy football. And so I said to my kids, kids, like we pray, my kids are into fantasy football and things of that nature. Like let's have a fantasy football league uh, for Holly Park. And so I'm, I'm going to name my, my team the Flying Chipmunks because that seems like a pretty uh, like bold name to go in Holly Park where there's a ton of chipmunks and be like, I'm the flying chipmunk. I'm going to destroy all of you. Uh, and so my kids are on it. I talked to my kids. I was like, hey, we're going to do this. Daddy's going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and spend well over $100 on wings. And we're going to have some like uh, uh, draft party. And we're going to invite Brian. We're going to invite Rob. We're going to invite their kids. There's going to be uh, uh, seven or eight of us. And we're going to have this wicked fantasy football league with this live draft. And the real conversation that I had with my kids was, this is not worth the money just for a good time. <laughs> This is worth the money if it's part of being on a search and rescue party for the people in Holly Park that they would come to know Jesus Christ by everyday interactions with the Coash family. And so I'm just, I'll say that, but I also just ask that maybe you would pray for my family and I when we very, very literally have this fantasy football league. You can pray for Team Flying Chipmunk uh, to win the league, uh, but pray also that people come to know Jesus through everyday interactions. There was a Super Bowl winning team that recently said uh, one of their mantras throughout the season was earn the parade, earn the parade. In fact, they even put the date of when they thought the parade would be if they were to win the Super Bowl, uh, and they did. <laughs> Whatever would bring a party in heaven, shouldn't that be what we strive for? Whatever would cause a parade to work through the, uh, the halls of heaven, <laughs> shouldn't that what we, what we uh, strive for? I want what heaven erupts for. I want to go after the one. Why? Because I was once the one. A verse that like rocks me is Zephaniah 3 landing. Can you, can you throw that up? It says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. That verse always rocks me because it reminds me at some point, me, Jason, the dirtbag that I am, the sinner that I am, that Jesus came to me and said, I want you. You are mine. I am yours. It is, it is a relationship where Jesus would quiet me with his immense love. 
and sing over me with gladness. That he would love me as if I'm the only one, but he came for all of humanity. What I experienced by the love of Jesus, don't I want that for other people? I don't want to go judgmental places. I want to go to holy places and love Jesus Christ and, and bring him to unholy people. This is why we pray for one. That's why this is one of our values, that, that we would pray for the one that is lost. You and I, we all know people that are far from God. And if you don't get new friends, go places where you're going to interact, not do what they do, but help them know the God that you know. <laughs> Show people the love of Jesus. Pray every day for people by name that do not know Jesus or pray for opportunities to show God's love to people. It's going to be risky. You will be judged. You will be misunderstood. Jesus was. Embrace it and stay on mission for the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing that we see in this text, the passage that Josh read earlier is that the committed, we're going to work for the party. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light up a lamp, sweep the house, seek diligently until it, uh, she finds it, and when she has found it, she calls together all of her friends, all of her neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so there will be joy before the angels of God. They join in the party over one sinner who repents. <laughs> Now, we would look at a coin and be like, a, qu a quarter? Like, a, like what this represents is roughly a day's wages. So think about what you make uh, divided by uh, $365, and what is that? Like, I don't know, two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a day, whatever it might be. <laughs> think about, like, what would you do to find that amount of money had you lost it? That's, that's the equivalent here. And Jesus says that when that is found, that there is then a party, there is a celebration. Now he brings the angels into the equation. And again, shouldn't this remind us that if heaven erupts in a party, as Jesus comes after the desperately down and out, shouldn't we have a party as well? Because instead, what we love to do is take the desperately down and out and remind them of what a low life they are. But people... <laughs> that are in a low life status, they typically don't need a reminder. <laughs> they typically need love. And I'm all about the GOAT. I'm all about Tom Brady. I'm all about the greatest of all time. But the actual GOAT, Jesus Christ, <laughs> he loves people far from God. <laughs> and if he does, I better as well. <laughs> The people that others consider undesirable, I better desire them in the name of Jesus. If Jesus treasures people, I better treasure people as well. Now, in every marriage, every marriage is just people that never say, I told you so, but think it all the time. Like, that's what marriage is. Uh, and so I've told you guys before that I lose my keys a lot of the times. I've shared a picture before uh, because my keys have this thing, that little button that's so easy to take this off. And this is about $300 to replace, but I hate putting these in my pocket. So I take these out of my pocket all the time uh, and I lose it all the time. And so it's my, my wife, she does say, I told you so. Don't let her fool you. She'll say it. Uh, like, because I do this with the van. The van key does it too. Like, it's so, it's so easy to do that. And I can never find them. I lose them all the time. And recently, uh, there was this text message uh, to Ava was, I can't find my Corolla key. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know everything you're going to say. I thought it was in my pants pocket. It's not. Uh, please, if you find it, set it aside. Um, Ava didn't say, I told you so. But I know behind the smile 
smiley face that she posted was an I told you so. There was clearly an I told you so there. Uh, and then the worst possible thing is that when this happens, if Ava is the one to find the lost key, is the very worst thing that could ever happen to me. And the last two times that this has happened, that's exactly what happened. I left them in the console of the car, which you would think I would learn a lesson and go and look there, but I didn't, and she found it, and here we are. But that's a lost thing. That's my own fault. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> it's something completely, entirely different to go after somebody where you didn't have any responsibility for it. You didn't make them lost but you're gonna go after them and you're gonna celebrate just the same. Why? Because Jesus matters. So let's show that, that pray for one value again. Where are you at with it? Are you praying for one? Yeah, the last few years it got hard. The last few years we were isolated. The last few years we were six feet away. The last few years we were hiding behind masks. The last few years we had all the excuses in the world to stop praying for one. Now, if you're watching, remember the context of this. I want us to consider as far as evangelistic efforts are concerned. Can we just consider COVID to be over in that regards and get back to the business of reaching people for Jesus Christ? Can we stop making excuses and hiding behind the wall of COVID to not reach people? Guess what? It's been hard for the saved. It's been hard for the unsaved. It's been hard for all of us. You had needs. I had needs. But the greatest need that any person on this planet has is the need for Jesus Christ. So the neediest person on planet Earth is the person without Jesus. And so in the scope of great needs, those outside the family of God are in much greater need than you and I. So will we get back to the business of coming after them in the name of Jesus and celebrating when they come to the name of Jesus? What have we said today? We have said that the, the committed never omit, never omit the sinner. We've talked about the working. We've talked about risking. And so uh, when we forget the mission of God, what I'm talking about right now, we go from all, uh, all in what we talked about last week to being all inward. And I don't want that to be us. And so please celebrate with me the story of Robert now. Before even getting invited to church, uh, what was going on in life that was hard and like the struggles, just that, that, that time and just before the invite? Um, so I spent a lot of time in the military, um, deployed a lot, you know, did, did a lot of different types of stuff in the military. Mm -hmm. Um, so in my time in the military, you, you do a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, you see a lot of bad things, a lot of bad things happen to good friends of yours and you get to a point where you start questioning, <clears throat> right? I, I was born and raised Catholic, um, you know, and I was always told, you know, thou shalt not kill, do harm, right? So when I was in the military, I did do those things. Mm -hmm. And it made me start having doubts, you know, and, and always feeling uncomfortable mm -hmm. and, and judged, you know, with, with God and everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so it was hard. So I, I did lose faith and, and trust, you know, not in the church, but, you know, within myself, my okay. own questions, um, being able to heal and, and move past it. Okay. Was the hardest part. Yeah. And I not 
there's a very few, very few people in our society that can have walked in those shoes. Um, and uh, so what, what then led to, obviously you're at Pine Belt, um, what led to the invite? Who invited you? Obviously I know, but like you tell, you tell the story about being invited. Uh, so I do work for Pine Belt. Um, there's a lady here who comes here. Her name's Lauren. Um, I work with her very closely at work. Um, and I don't know exactly how it started, Okay. but, um, I guess she, you know, saw something. Okay. And anytime, you know, I was upstairs in her office talking about work stuff or, you know, vice versa. Um, she would always take her time to, to talk to me about okay. it. Um, just as a friend, Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like she, she knew parts of my military background, you know, and she saw something, you yeah. know, she saw some pain, um, you know, but she always made it a, an effort to talk to me about God and, and okay. tell me about her church. And, and she always, always asked questions, you know, okay. why are you uncomfortable? You know, hmm. why, why do you have the doubt? You know, we would spark conversations um, throughout the time. And then it just got to one day where it's just the walls were closing okay. and talking to her, you know, um, I said, listen, I got to try something. Okay. You know, I got to say, try something before before I drown. Um, so I, I jumped in. Cool. And so what, what were the first few weeks like? I mean, you had not been to church in a while. Um, I don't go to Catholic church often, but mm -hmm. from what I hear that this is a different experience in the Catholic church. It is. Uh, so like, tell me those first few weeks. So the first time I, I came here for, uh, for service, I was, I'm not gonna lie, terrified. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know what to expect. I was I'm sweating, you know, like I'm just very nervous, but you know, I, and literally sweating. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah okay. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and Lauren did meet me here, you know, for yeah. that first time. And, you know, she kind of just said, okay, listen, you know, we're going to sit in the back, you yeah. know. Okay, good. Good first okay. step, yeah. you know. Yep. And uh, I always keep just thinking about like, you know, the Catholic church. And, and I'm not talking down on the Catholic church. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just that, different, yeah. Anytime I went to Catholic church, I left there more confused mm -hmm. than when I went in. Okay. Um. So the first service I was here, uh, and I remember it just like it was yesterday. He was up there talking, mm -hmm. um, the hula hoop, you know, um, cool. expression about just leaving the past in the past. And, uh, you know, I was sitting right in the back corner over there, uh, balling my eyes out mm -hmm. because it, it hit home. And, and mm -hmm. that's what I, I definitely like about coming here is that when you are preaching, it's in a way that you can interpret to everybody's daily lives of what they're going through, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever it be, you can interpret it your own way mm -hmm. to how it, you know, fits you. And, you know, I'll never forget that the first time I came here, you know, okay. the hula hoop and, and the suitcase and, you know, just leaving it, you know, you have to walk towards God. You have to, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to bring the past with you, you're never looking forward. You're always looking backwards. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I did a lot of soul searching, you know, mm -hmm. after that one. And, uh, you know, it, it made me more comfortable coming. Cool. So, cool. So I, uh, I saw you, um, back there, I mean, with Lauren, I saw you coming routinely without missing a week and, uh, quiet, you know, there was something about your face that, like I'm searching, 
And, uh, and so, uh, whether Lauren messaged me or I messaged her vice versa, but there was just like, Hey, yeah, if you can, if you can get some coffee with this guy, uh, you know, and, uh, and so we emailed set up coffee and, uh, you know, the one thing that you, that you had mentioned earlier in this interview, I guess you could say, um, was about your military past. And that was, a that to me was a connecting point in our conversation when we got coffee about like, um, I've never, I've never talked to somebody with that, with that level of openness about their military past and just thinking about how God, God welcomes everybody in. Like you had talked about thou shall not murder. And right. I was like, well, Moses, he used Moses to write that. And, uh, Moses had that in his history. Um, David, a man after God's own heart has that in his history and just, um, thinking that God welcomes you in with open arms. So my going to the question of like in that conversation, I was like, hey, here's a guy that's, you know, you said army ranger and knowing like there's that physical element to it. I was like, well, I'm going to be hiking Mount Washington. It goes above the tree line. It's not an easy hike. Um, I'm driving up there to get my two smelly kids from camp and uh, two smelly boys. And uh, I was like, hey, on a whim, do you want to drive six hours to New Hampshire and hike Mount Washington? Uh, so you hiked it. Um, my question is, what about the coffee experience? What about hiking Mount Washington? What about that whole process started connecting dots for you? I, I mean, I would go back to just the first time coming, mm. you know, after the first mm. time cool. coming here um, for service, I had questions, mm -hmm. right? So I had questions that I couldn't, that I kind of gave my own answer to, Okay, but it led to more questions and more okay. questions. Yeah. So then I okay. came back again and more questions and those last questions, okay, are answered. And so every time that we've met or I've come mm -hmm. here, there's always been more questions and I always wanted the answer. Okay. Right. So when we met for coffee, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked mm -hmm. about, you know, mm -hmm. war, we talked about the Bible. Um, and I left there with more questions. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and you said something to me when we were having coffee where, um, and also when he was preaching was uh, leaving the past. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was having struggles with too. Um, so then you invited me to Mount Washington and I said, okay, well, let's, mm -hmm. let's go, mm -hmm. you know, um, and answer some more questions, okay. you know? And so we went and drove up there, you know, we talked, you know, yeah. about a bunch of different stuff, mm -hmm. you know, on the way up there, yeah. um, you know, and when we got to that mountain, it was, uh, time to answer a lot of questions okay. you know so so we get we get to the top it's a the top for people that don't know it's like the highest mountain on the Appalachian Trail there's a train that goes to the top you can drive a car to the top so there's like a little cafeteria a little gift shop it's not what you would expect after laboring <laughs> to get to the top um but we're at the top we're in this little cafeteria um and you just said I'm ready um so what what was that like what was it to to get to the point where you're like I'm ready and and to pray together to say yes to Jesus. So as we were walking up the mountain, um, I kept thinking about the past. Mm. And I've walked a lot of mountains mm. with the buddies that I've lost. Mm -hmm. um, and as we we're walking, and as we got higher and higher on the mountain, now listen, I haven't trained for Mount Washington, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, personally, I didn't think I was making it. You know, I thought you were doing it on your own. Um, but something kept pushing me mm. to get to the top. Mm. Um, again, I felt it, you know, within myself that something kept telling me to keep going. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept thinking about them and losing them and, and survivor's guilt and, mm-hmm. you know, why them, why me? Um, and I finally realized when I got to the top that that was, that could be the last mountain that we all walked together. Mm-hmm. Um, that they wouldn't want me sitting here feeling sorry for them. So in order to let them go, I have to face forward and move forward Mm. and focus on having something bigger for myself. Mm. When I was in the military, that was a thing, you know, you didn't, everybody thinks that, you know, when you serve in the military, it's you're serving, you know, your country or you're serving, you know, whatever the case be really, when you're in the military and you're doing that, it's for the guy to the left and the guy to the right to you. That's what it's about. You know, it's it's not about anything else besides you and the guys that you're there with. Um, so I feel truly that walking up that mountain, they were there with me. And they were pushing me to the top. And the top was, you know, to let it go yeah. and move on. Cool. And just focus on something bigger than me something you can't see and hmm. and I found that here Robert's getting baptized today um, um, along with um, Tony um, so we'll be queuing that in a little second um, but hearing that, reliving that, we're about to sing a song called Rattle, and truly this, this story rattles me. Um, like I said last week, there's no such thing as a casual Christian. A casual Christian would be somebody that says, praying for one is for somebody else. Praying for one isn't for me. <laughs> but there's no such thing as a casual Christian that's not on the mission of Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> when Jesus was leaving this earth, he said, go into all the world. And we as Christians, we all too often forget and neglect that first word, go. <laughs> if we could linger on one word today, it's the word of Jesus saying, go, go, go. So would you guys stand with me? And would you pray something very selective with me? There's a, a phrase on the screen. And on the uh, count of three, could we verbalize this prayer uh, together? Uh, Landon, throw it up there. On three, one, two, three. Dear Jesus, give me one person to share your love with. Amen. I believe that that is a prayer that Jesus is going to love to answer. And so here's my challenge as we go into one final song. Attend one with one. Pull out your cell phones. It's not for a concert that we're having or anything, but pull out your cell phones. Take a picture of the QR code because here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to fill out that form, your name, how we can get in contact with you, and the name of the one that you're right now thinking about. I need to invite them next week because next week, Graham's preaching on the prodigal son. Do you know any prodigals? Do you, need, do you know anybody that needs the hope of a father wrapping them in his loving arms? So I would love for you to fill out that form so that we can get your email or your address and send you a postcard and you're like, hey, I'm praying for Timmy this week. I'm going to invite Timmy. Well, I would love to personally email you on Wednesday and say, how's it going with Timmy? Because we need to commit to this. This needs to be about who we are. So there's more stories like Robert that truly do leave us rattled. Let's sing.